Hey everyone, how's it going? And welcome back to Citywide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host, Max Bone, and my next guest has been behind the lens of some of the greatest music photos for the last four decades. And now, those pictures and the stories behind them are collected in a new app called Greatest Hits. Photographer Chris Cafaro joins me. Chris, welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. Thank you, sir. I love being here. I'm ready to go. I can answer any question. Let's do this shit. Let's do this. Yep, exactly. So, you know, big question to open things up. Why did you want to do this? Why create an app to sort of chronicle your career? Okay, I'll be honest. It it wasn't my idea. (laughs) (laughs) I stole the idea. I literally stole the idea. So let me tell you, I'll, I'll tell you a short version of a long story. Otherwise, we could be here for days. 12 years ago, when I started my Greatest Hits project, it came out of a, a tragedy in my life. I had lost uh, the most important person in my life to cancer. And I was kind of a little bit lost and about, you know, a lot of things. And I've always been a, one of those photographers. I've been shooting since I started my business when I was uh, 12 years old. And so I've been shooting forever, basically. And I've always been one of those photographers that's not about attention. You know, I was always let the photos do the talking, let the photos do the talking. So what happened was I, I, my hero photographer since I was 10 years old is Richard Avedon. I hope you've heard of Richard Avedon, but he was God still. I mean, he still is. This is his hundredth birthday this year. They're doing exhibitions and everything. And about 12 years ago, when we started greatest hits, the idea was simple. Let's do six exhibitions around the world, celebrating these iconic photos And as we got started on it, my best friend and mentor was like saying, oh, you need to document. So we started documenting everything. We started shooting. We were going to make a documentary. We just started doing all this stuff. But the Richard Avedon Foundation had this app. It was called, you know, Richard Avedon. And it was kind of what I literally, what I just did, which is photos, information, you know, of his iconic photos, these beautiful portraits, and it broke down the different exhibitions. And it was just like this a little bit more in depth to a book, you know, a book is a book, it gets printed, and there you go, right? That's it. But this app they had was amazing. So I think it was about 10 years ago, where I looked at the company was a company in New York City that made it. And I said, I want to do this, I want to do this. I told my people that we were working on greatest hits, I go to New York and I set up a meeting with this company and I go, you know, I'm all excited. I'm going to do this. We're gonna, This is going to be great because I wanted to do the stories behind the photos. That's what Greatest Hits is about, the stories behind the photos. So I go meet this company and they, <laughs> they said, we can do this. The whole thing was great. Meeting. The whole meeting went perfect. But then at the end, I said, okay, so how much does this cost? And he goes, about $200,000. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And I, I like, I'm just like, oh, well, then never mind. <laughs> you know, like two hundred thousand, right? like all at once, or the next like thousand years. I, Holy I, shit! I, it just, you know, and it's a free app, so you're sitting there, kind of going, I can't make money on. And so, Whew. I understood with it. And this is when you know you, they were building apps from you know code and scratch. I mean, now apps are done, you know, differently now, modules and whatever else, but. So I was just like, that killed that idea. And mm. th- so then I continue on with the exhibitions. We had the first big exhibition here in LA in 2017. I did four, I've done four exhibitions in Sydney, Australia. I've done a couple more here. I'm working on even more now. I'm working on a, a Melbourne one. I'm working on a, my first European one. And, you know, my goal in life is to do this uh, till I'm, uh, th- I say to people, and it, I know this isn't written in stone, but I always say, I want to do this till I'm 65. 
it, that's two years away. I'm 63 now. So the idea was, you know, let's build this app. So when I was in New Zealand in February, I met this company, iSparks, and they're like this major tech company in, in New Zealand. And they do these things all the time. And they're, you know, New Zealand's known for their tech. You know, Lord of the Rings movies were made there and all the crazy shit they do with that stuff, right? So I met this company and I, we were just shooting this shit. And I didn't know exactly what they were. And I mentioned, hey, you know, it'd be really cool. I have this vision for an app. And they go, well, what's your vision? I go, I explained it. I want to dive deep. I want to have this. I want to have proof sheets. I want, because that's what I'm doing on my website. And they went, piece of cake. We can do that. I said, ha, ha, ha. And then a couple of weeks later, they came back at me with like a whole plan and said, here's what we need from you. And I was like, are you sure? I don't have $200,000 if that's what it's going to cost. And they were like, no, let, we want to help you out. And they've become, you know, I, get, I always tell people, I drop, iSparks is amazing. I mean, the owner, the CEO, the guys who work there, they they have been so supportive. Now we're like, I keep saying to everybody, we're more like a team now because I have all these crazy ideas. And we're just building that app. And that's kind of how it started. And, you know, we just dropped the app. I, I've been told we've got hundreds of downloads. Um, the reviews have been good. I'm telling everybody, please go give me five stars and give me a good review. But it's if you're a music photography lover, if you're a music lover, if you're a photography lover, right now is, I call it version 1.0, meaning we dropped it with over 100 photos. You can, you know, find this iconic photo of George Michael then go see the proof sheets to that George Michael photo to see the process. A photographer loves proof sheets and you get to see the process. Then you get to see me, this, me telling the story behind that video. There's a lot, you know, there's for me, it's, you know, like I said, it's just the beginning. There's the trailers, but we, we have planned, like I, I like to talk about, and I know I'm rambling here, but I like to, I just keep saying it. We, we had a, a call a while ago where we just talked about the future of the app, the things that we can do. And that's where I'm really excited. All right. You know? Yeah. And, and and for the folks at home, if you haven't done it, definitely get the app because it's so cool. There's so many like different like parts of it. But I want to talk about the stories because I loved checking the videos out for yeah. all the different people you photographed. What was it like for you to kind of go down that memory lane and sort of revisit these times? Well, the good news is I'm I'm very organized. Um, I, I have been really organized probably since 1989 is when I got crazy. But so I, when I started the project Greatest Hits, and it's basic Greatest Hits is 100 black and white images. That's kind of the foundation. And I thought that would be enough. And since then, we've done all these other, like what I call sub-exhibitions, like Greatest Hits, George Michael, Greatest Hits, Grunge, Greatest Hits, No Doubt, Greatest Hits. Because I have, I have a lot, like I always tell people, you don't understand, 50 years worth of photography is a lot. And um, But the idea of the videos came from the beginning when I said to everybody, because it happens to it's happened to me my whole life, you know. Oh, Chris, you, I, I love your picture of Nirvana. Tell me something about it. You know, tell me what was that shoot like? What was Kurt Cobain like? You know, you get those questions all the time. So that's why when I tell people, the greatest hits is not it, the tagline is I have a million stories and the photos to prove it. So to me, that's what's really important for people to see is that like I can tell you, you know, the, I can tell you the time that I met and shot, you know, Carlos Santana, one of my heroes, and then go, oh, by the way, you want to see the pictures too? You know, I, I don't make shit up. I don't need to. So that's kind of where it kind of started, if that makes sense. And the idea of the stories was just like people want to know. And you know, on my website, there's at least, I think we're up to over 250 stories. I think if that, if I last time I checked, but it's a lot, it's, you know, my, my adventures shooting in New York, or it might be 
you know, when I did the George Michael exhibition, I did a series of George Michael videos telling the stories behind George Michael's, the moments with George, because that was my one of my big breaks was shooting the faith tour and stuff. So it's about the stories. I always tell people like, it's about the story. So, you know, at my exhibitions, I do artist talks telling these stories and, and I do photo talks or whatever, but it's like, it's about the stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, any, any life, you know, so it's kind of where that kind of came from. Okay. Is there a story that people really want to hear above like the others? Do you find that like certain artists, they're like, Oh, tell them about like so-and-so. The most popular one out of everybody I've shot is George Michael. Um, I don't know if you're a George Michael fan, you know, his fans are very passionate, very, very passionate. And I'll tell you a funny story. I was thinking, I first thing comes to my head. So I did this, uh, Michael Hutchins exhibition in Sydney, Australia at the end of 2019 before COVID hit. And I'm doing the artist talk and I noticed in the crowd, a few of my George Michael fans. And so like, just as a joke, you know, I'm, cause I'm a smart ass. I'm a sarcastic fuck basically. But I said in the, I said in the talk, like, yeah, you know, Michael Hutchins was the best of the best. He's amazing. Not like that George Michael guy, you know, that George Michael guy was like the worst. I mean, he was just mean. And, and these women that are my, they're friends of mine, the looks I got in their face, they like literally, if they had knives, they would have stabbed me right there in front of everybody. <laughs> And I said, I go, and I go, George owed me $20 and he never paid me back. And they looked at me and then they, and then I was like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And then after the, after they talk, they like surround me and they go, you never say anything bad about George again. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh, <laughs> intense know? fans. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. It was like, it was like, you know, a gang just warning you to, you don't come over to our turf. Right. You know, like you, you stay in your neighborhood. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like, like you, you tell that story. All of a sudden, you hear like a gun cock. Like, oh, I'm kidding. Yeah, exactly. What I actually mean is, <laughs> like, pulling out so, knives. Like, but oh, it's, God. Yeah, I get asked about probably George Michael the most. Number two, I get asked about, of course, is Kurt Cobain and Chris mm-hmm. Cornell. I get asked about um, every once in a while random questions about random people, but the the main ones, and then I get actually too. I get asked a lot about. Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots because I did a couple shoots with them. So it's, and again, it's usually the artists that are not here anymore that you get asked about the most. Sure. You know, I say this all the time. Uh, I'm blessed and I know it. I've done what I've loved for 50 years now and not a lot of people can say that. And, you know, I'm crazy artist, photographer, passionate about what I do. I'm more passionate about it today than when I started, but it's like, you know, I don't take it lightly. I mean, I'm, I don't take it seriously either, but I don't take it lightly. What was it like to compile your entire life story basically into this app? Yeah. Because I read this took about 12 years to come together. Yeah. So as I'm working on this thing, I have this calendar program I've had for years where I can look up dates. I can tell you, I could probably tell you what I was doing on your birthday. I've always kept track of things. I've done this a lot where I, I've also, I could like, if you came to my house, people make fun of me a lot about how organized I am. Ever since I was a kid, I've been into organizing. I always, my saying, when I do lectures or I talk at classes and stuff, I always say, organization is the key to success. I've always been organized. Since when I was a kid, I used to alphabetize my baseball cards. When I was, you know, I'd color code my Hot Wheel cars, you know, all the blue cars. You don't mess up my codes, you know, blue cars stay the blue cars. But I've always believed in, you know, organizations. So it helped me. So I always tell people I was doing research on myself, like, oh, this Nirvana shoot, when was that? And then I had to go to my calendars and then my, I go to my journals, which I kept for years. And there it is, you know, March 30th, 1991, I, you know, 
2 p.m. in the afternoon, I go meet Nirvana. They have this new drummer named Dave. You know, I had all these this stuff, this information. So it really helped. And um, and I still to this day, you know, I'm scanning. I've been I spend the last few years every day basically scanning my files, like not every picture, but I go through every shoot and pick a couple shots. And, and I find shoots that I totally forgot about. This week I was scanning stuff from like 85 and 86, going, I don't remember doing this, you know, and and looking at stuff. So it goes pretty back. It's pretty extensive. And that's why I said with the app, we're just starting, but my goal is that it'll be this incredible library of my life's work ultimately. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Was it hard to kind of narrow this down in terms of like what pictures you were, you oh. were going to use or what stories you were going to tell? Cause I know that each one's about a minute or so long. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you right now. So when we started greatest hits, when I started the project and came up with the idea, I started with 50, I had to go, it has to only be black and white because if it was black and white in color, then it would have been more to go through. So I said, it's going to be black and white. So I went, I started out with 1500 images and had, it took me about four months to get it down to a hundred and it got it down to the hunt. <laughs> yeah. I got it down to the hundred and said, good, we're done. That's a, that's the hundred. And then that's, and then that was working on that for years for the first exhibition, which was in LA. And then after that is when people started saying, you need to do these like smaller exhibitions. The next one after that was uh, an exhibition called Greatest Hits Martini Ranch, which uh, was a band back in the 80s that I did a music video with that James Cameron directed. So I did that exhibition. Then it, George Michael was next and then Grunge. And, you know, I just did in September last year, I did Jane's Addiction. And so there's a lot. And, but I like, I always tell people I'm, I really have scratched the surface and then, you know, I always tell people music photography, I made my name in it, but that's only a third of my work, not even all my work. Oh, so do you think we'll see more like versions of this app or are you going to kind of build on what you got now? Yeah. So the, the next thing I want to do with the app, I hope to do, I told the guy, they know it's possible. I just have, we're just going to figure out my dream is like to do this where Say like in November, I do this next exhibition in Melbourne and you're like, oh, I wish I could be there. Well, I love the idea with the future of AR and VR. Not You can use the phone, but if you have the goggles, mm -hmm. you put the goggles on and you are walking in the, through the gallery to look at the photos. You know that what I mean? So like cool. where you're walking, you're there, you're there, but you're not there. And I said to the guys, I said, how do we do that? And then how do we, is there a way to bring people, if we have a 360 camera that on opening night where people could be there opening night from around the world, where we always have music performances and things going on. So we're trying to come up with ways to do that kind of stuff with AR and VR. Mm. Um, one of the cool things that the app does do now, if you're at an exhibition, this is like, I, I ripped this idea off of museums, but you're at the exhibition, you hold the phone up, your camera up to say the picture of Nirvana and it'll, it'll put, take you right to that video. So you can then listen to the story behind the picture you're standing in front of. It does that now. And so those kinds of things I want to really get into, you know, like I said, I always tell people with technology, the way it is, I'm trying to figure out how to use that old school with new school technology. That would be so cool because, like you said, there are some museums who are doing that. So you can go to their opening nights without, without actually leaving your house. That'd be really cool to just be able to I, just, like, I, sit in my chair and be like, hey, I'm seeing this thing too. Yeah, and I, I love the idea that um, we talked about doing, like, I, I'm, I have fought, I mean, fought for a long time about doing workshops and things like that because I'm not a big fan of photographer workshops. 
because every photographer thinks they're an expert and knows everything and they call themselves masters and they're not and you know and all that's crap but we've talked about doing like workshops and bringing people into into my shoots like setting up cameras where you can put your goggles on and you can be in the studio with me while I'm shooting and things like that. Mm. We're bouncing around all sorts of ideas because, you know, technology is, is the AR thing is, you know, when those Apple goggles come out, that's a game changer. Oh yeah. I know they're, I always tell people, I know they're expensive for now, but it, it's just the beginning. I, I always tell people you're old enough to remember, remember the, you know, remember American online, you know, when the internet started <laughs> email, what the fuck is email? And you know, no, oh, it's yeah. everyday life. I, I, I can remember for the younger listeners, you'll ask your parents doing the uh, the dial up and hearing that sound as you connected like over the phone and so forth. Yeah, it's it's yep. and, and I work in journalism, so I've seen this too. I've seen the massive change in my own industry. And I feel like yep. you've got to either embrace it or you're gonna get left the fuck behind. So you gotta right. embrace it. That's what I did with photography. I remember when digital photography started. I bought my first digital camera, it cost me fifty thousand dollars. And people are like, oh, a lot of photographers didn't make the transition very well, and they're not around. Yeah. I embraced tech. I embraced computers because I started using Apple computers when they were pretty much invented. I was not afraid of digital. I actually love it more than ever. I always tell people film sucks. But <laughs> but it's like, it, it's that kind of thing where, you know, that's why I said everybody with the app, we got to, you know, in my mind, it's like, this is, we launched with 1.0. But like any, you know, software type of thing, it grows, you know, look at the first, you know, first Photoshop, it was, you know, 1.0, it's not anywhere compared to what it is today, you know, so we're going to grow with it. We're going to grow with this app. I just want people to, people who love music and photography to download it, look at it, listen to the stories, get to a little bit of insight behind, not just my shoots and everything, but the artist, you know, the artists themselves. Sure. Yeah, I'm going to tell one quick tech story and then we'll move along. But yeah, yeah. It's probably of a time that I was hanging with one of my interns and he said, my professor once told the, told our class that it's our responsibility to keep print alive. I said, your professor's an idiot. You can tell him I said that. <laughs> Complete I'm there with you. backwards moron thinking. Like, this is how yeah. it is. It's never going to go, go backwards. Right. Embrace it. And it uh, actually reminds me of one more thing. I was uh, at a forum, and it was being led by a photographer who had been in the field for like 35 years. And he said, your best camera is what you have in your hand. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, oh, I big time. I was surprised. Of course, very right, especially now with the current models. Right. People ask me, Ooh, what, what's the best camera to get? I go, do you have an iPhone? They go, yeah. I go, well, there you go. Like, I shoot a lot of stuff with my iPhone. I make big prints out of the iPhone. You wouldn't know. Nobody knows what you're using, and, and it doesn't matter. I, I've never been a what we call equipment whore my whole life i've never been like oh i have to have the top cameras and that shit i don't mm -hmm. give a fuck so i always tell people like you have to embrace it and um again it's there's this i've always had this i always tell people the balance of i give a fuck and i don't give a fuck and i don't give a fuck more than i do give a fuck about things you know what i mean you you just you got to get to that point and and the world is not with my young friends and the the young ones i mentor you know, I always, the joke is, oh, I miss the good old days. And they, their response usually is, oh, wow, at least you had the good old days. You know, they're not going to have good old days. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I tell people, the whole app is just, I hope within two years that we really fill it up with everything that I need to fill it up with. When I was 10, 11, 12, 15 years old and starting out and doing, I was shooting for my clients and stuff. I always had this thing. I never wanted to be that old guy who, you know, sitting around the house and you'd come over and visit me and say, Hey, Chris, you know, how you doing? And I'm, Oh, you know, did you know, I shot Nirvana back in like, 
I don't want to be that old guy just tell, sitting on his porch telling you stories, the same stories, you know? So that's why I say to people, I, I've, and this is no lie, I've said literally 30 years that when I turn 65, I will never talk about my music photography again. And that's why I want to end these exhibitions at that point. Mm. And I don't want to be that old guy that tells you that same stupid story about George Michael or about Chris Cornell. I don't want to be that guy. And so my joke now is you'll go to me, hey, Chris, you know, at 65, you're going to go, hey, Chris, what was it like to shoot Nirvana? And I'm going to say to you, just go to the app. Just go to the app. Yeah. It's all there. There you go. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just go to the app. Because like we live in a society, you think in a world, you know this because you do podcasting. People want to hear stories. I think more now than ever, storytelling is a big, big deal. Mm. I really do believe that. I'm curious how you went about picking which story to tell because I'm sure regardless of the artist, you must have like a million of them. So how'd you say, you know what? Right. We'll just say this one thing and move on. Well, it, like I said, it's grown. When we first, when I first dropped the first hundred images, we did we did a hundred uh, videos. We spent like three days in the studio, me ranting. My crew drove my crew crazy. They, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. They would, I would tell them because they're my one of my they're my really good friends, and we've been working together for years. I'll be talking, and then and then my camera guy would just go cut. You know, you said that stupid thing before, Chris. Can you try something else? And like they would just be yelling at me the whole day. I'm like. God, guys, be nice. <laughs> but but as the as the project has gone on, every few months I'll book a studio, come up with a new list of things, and here's some new stories we're gonna tell. Like, oh hey, I'm doing this grunge exhibition, so I need to shoot ten grunge videos for the grunge exhibition. And right now I'm working on um, where's it at here? I have something like twelve new stories we're gonna do in a couple weeks. So you know, it just it's constantly evolving. Like that's why I tell people all the time. My website, that's where the bulk of it all is. And But I want to get that side of things into the app down the line. So it's going to take some time, though. Okay. I want to ask about uh, black and white. Do you find that more appealing than color pictures? I've always been a black and white guy since Richard Avedon. You know, I like, again, I started at 10 years old. I knew I was going to do this my whole life at 10. Had my business cards at 12. And I was running my business. And he was my hero. Irving Penn was my hero. David Bailey who's still alive. He's in England. He was like the English version of Avedon. Those guys, you know, the, the images that made the most impact were black and white. So I always say to everybody, I, whenever I shoot, I'm lean like 70% to black and white. And if something, if there's no color in the picture, then I'm like, why be do it in color? If it's just skin tones and a black outfit or a white outfit, you're just like, it's got to be black and white. There's no color real here. So, but if something's colorful, then yeah, I want to make color. I just have always preferred black and white. Like I've said to people all the time, if you told me, Chris, you can never shoot color film again, color pictures again, I'd be like, okay. But if you said, Chris, you can never shoot black and white ever again, I'd be have troubles. I'd be like, go away. <laughs> I quit. I'm done. You know? <laughs> Hang it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't have time for this. Um, but I think what happens is I think nowadays more than ever because of digital you know, you have that option. Can I do black and white or I can do whatever I want with that digital image. Back in my day, when you were shooting film, you had to shoot one roll of film in color, one roll of film in black and white. And you had to, then you would decide afterwards. You know, we talked a bit, a, a bit about the gear. Uh, do you have a preferred brand? Any a certain kind of camera you like to use? I've been using, for digital, I've been only using Hasselblad for the last 20 years. Mm. I've been a Hasselblad guy since 1980. I got my first one in 80. Four, I think 80, yeah, 84. 
I've, you know, growing up as a kid, when I was like 10 years old, my first photography teacher, I love, I always tell people the story. It's always made me laugh. His name was Mr. Kitajima. And he, he said to us in front of like, yelling at everybody, these kids in class, I was like the teacher's pet. Cause I was the one that wanted to be a photographer, but he said to everybody, if you don't have a Nikon, you're not a real photographer. If you don't, Nikon is the only professional photography camera there is. Everything else just sucks. So if, if you want to be a real photographer, you have to have a Nikon. And I was like, you know, I got to get a Nikon. And it took me, it took me a long time. I, I didn't get my first camera until I was 18 and it got stolen two weeks later. Holy um, shit. Yeah. I thought it was the end of the world at that time. Yeah, I would too, uh, actually. It's like, shit, that was, that yeah, was money, So dude. I saved up year, years and years to buy this thing and then it got stolen. Ugh, and Bastards. Yeah. So, but then I moved to LA and I had a, I had a bunch of Olympus equipment and I traded it all in for one Nikon. But yeah, you know, I'm a hospital guy. I'm a digital, like I, I love digital. I, you know, I still, mm. <clears throat> I shoot often as I can and I love digital. It's cheaper. When I used to, you know, I would tell people all the time back in the day when I would go shoot a concert for fun, like I wasn't getting paid for most of this. You know, I documented Jane's addiction for three years and I would, they wouldn't pay a dime, but I would go to the shows. They'd let me give me access. And you know, every time I would shoot a show it was 20 rolls of film. So 20 rolls of film plus processing is like a thousand dollars and you'd sit there and just go like you know oh i just had fun and it cost me a thousand dollars and you know it was crazy and when i look at it how stupid i was my business manager would get the lab bills and she'd just call me in the office and then yell at me for an hour and say what are you doing i go well i had to go to the show and it was so important you know <laughs> but now that i did that i have pictures that nobody else has ah you know what I mean? So for me, that's what it was all about. Like I always, I, I just talked about this in Clubhouse the other night about my first shoot with Nirvana. I was in Seattle shooting the band Queensryche. Do, uh, you know, Queensryche is Silent Lucidity. I was up there shooting them for EMI Records on a Friday, and it was like you know I was doing getting paid. It was a job. I had that. It was my first trip to Seattle, and I had the Saturday day off, nothing to do. So I called. Nirvana's manager, John. And I said, John, is the band around? He goes, yeah, they have a new drummer. Why? I go, can I do a photo shoot with him? He goes, I'll see what they have. They have an hour or two. He set it up. We went to, I met the guys for lunch, bought them lunch. Then we walked around Seattle, took some pictures for fun. I, at the time, I think I'm just doing a fun thing. Then, you know, you, all these years later, those photos are iconic to the band and all over everywhere. So you don't know. You just don't know. Exactly. I personally am a Canon guy myself. I've just always used them. Not, don't tell me you had a Canon AE1. Don't say that. I will not tell you that then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will not I will not say those words. I will say, though, that yeah. I, I do share the love of digital. Like, this can, can connect with my phone, so I can download it right from my phone and edit there. Holy shit, that's so much easier. Yeah, I, yep. I, I, I embrace tech. I'm like, whatever I can do to make things easier for me, sign me up for that shit. Yeah, I just, you know, there's a learning curve to it. Some stuff, I got to the point where I can only handle so much in my head. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I rely on friends to do some things. Like I can I always tell people I can do most anything. It's just that I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, I, I have this, I have a new intern. She's 20 years old. She goes to Santa Monica, the city college for photography. She wants to be a photographer. She's one of my best friend's daughters. And she was here the other day and we were talking about some of this stuff and her, you know, her world of photography is completely different than my world in a sense. And it, what she's growing up with and, you know, this is what film looks like and proof sheets and scanning. And she was loving it. She was just like, this is amazing. And I said, yeah, you know, it's, it, it, it was, and, but it's different. And, 
but it there's a di- it's a different world, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm okay yeah. with it. I, I I find that like I always tell people, if you look at my digital photos, they don't look digital because I don't like I don't want them to look digital. I pour a bun- bunch of grain into every picture. I mess them all up. I don't like clean, pretty stuff. I never have. Huh. I hate it. Why not? When I was in high school, a bunch of my friends were, I grew up in the hood. So I always tell people, I, I didn't know any white people. I grew up with, I grew up with Mexicans, blacks, Asians, Vietnamese. I grew up with, you know, this eclectic group of people. And my two of my closest friends were Japanese. And so I would hang out with their families who parents didn't speak English. I would hang out at the Buddhist church to play basketball, things like that. And those Japanese friends, the, one of the friends, um, uh, mother, I don't know what it, the conversation started, but she taught me this term. This is, I want to say that, yeah, this is about my sophomore year in high school. And she says to me, t- teaches me the term wabi sabi, which if you Google it, it means basically the perfection of imperfection. And, and I've always, that was at such a young age, but I embraced that. And if you look at my work and especially what I, when I'm shooting, what I'm doing or whatever, I don't give a fuck about perfection. You know, I'm I'm out to try to pull something out of the subject. I'm out trying to get capture their soul, you know. And so I don't if, you know, people have said to me in pictures, "Oh my god, there's a light stand in the background." I'm like, "So what?" There's a, you know, extension cord is in the I'm like, "So what?" It's not about that. It's about getting the moment, capturing the moment, getting that right moment. I don't give a fuck what's around it. So it's to me, that's what I've always embraced in, in music and in photography. You know, the best musicians aren't perfect. You know, Carlos Santana was not perfect, but he has more soul in one note than most people have in a career. Very true. You know, when you were going through this and putting everything together for the app, did you ever have a moment where you realized, oh shit, I never shot so-and-so? Well, what happened when I started out, when I realized I, I loved music photography, I made a hit list. I've always had a hit list of the people I want to shoot. Some names have not changed. You know, Freddie Mercury was on the list in the beginning. He's not around. Um, U2 and Bono has been on my list since day one. Haven't gotten to them yet. But it's changed and evolved over the years, that, that list of like the people. I, I think it's, I updated on my website, I think once in a while. I have to look at the last one. But I, there's a lot of, you know, I love to shoot Lady Gaga. I would love to shoot Billie Eilish. I would love to shoot these artists. And and the last 10 years now, I shoot mainly new artists anyways. I just, I'm shooting one on Wednesday. I got another, I did a bunch in Australia, New Zealand. You know, I love shooting new talent because, you know, as I like to say, I'm a jaded, cynical fuck. And when I shoot new talent, they kind of, that, they're, ambition their 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 passion rubs off onto me and kind of gets is gets rid of that that negativity in my life you know like i i jokingly say to people i think it's said it's like if you look at the app like i'll say like you know uh you know back in i sound like i always tell people i sound like an old man like back in my day kids you know you know i saw you know Soundgarden, and it's like you know and they're like oh shut up like i know and it sounds stupid but like there's an old joke i heard years and years ago from a friend when Marilyn Manson came out, uh, the best line I ever heard was, oh, I love Marilyn Manson, but I liked him when his, his name was Alice Cooper. <laughs> and meaning that it's all been done before. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, 
even now, you know, people are like, oh my God, Lady Gaga. Well, that was Madonna. And before Madonna, there was Dusty Springfield. And before, you know, like you go down the it's all been done, people. There's no original thing that's yeah. original. Well, I think, and more now than ever. I think part of that is because we're always inspired by those who came before us. Lady Gaga yeah. got got her inspiration to do music probably from Madonna or someone else. Yeah. So there's always that yep. people that we grew up idolizing that we take a piece of that with us when we pursue our own art, whether it's like horror writers. I will guarantee right. you they'll be like, oh yeah, you know, Stephen King gave me the idea to do this, or Brian King gave me the idea to do this. You know, there's always someone to take a cue from. That's why I say to I say this all the time. Go look at Richard Avedon's work and then go look at mine, and you'll see I ripped him off cleanly. <laughs> I, there's some stuff, especially when I was younger. I was like, I'm he, he could he only difference between me and him was his subject was Audrey Hepburn and mine was some girl named Sally. Do you know what I mean? But I was doing the same exact photo. Dude, you know, I, I, but I go, if you're gonna if, if you're gonna steal, steal from the best, <laughs> you know, like there you go. It's you know yeah. it, it's not stealing, it's a tribute. Right. It's well, honoring yeah. them. <laughs> Legally <laughs> well, in court, yeah. yeah it's, there you it's, go. It's, 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 it's we always say it's an homage. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Did you I'm actually curious, you and Richard, do you guys ever ever uh, connect? No. So I I've been I have a signed book by Richard Avedon. Cool. My best friend got me years ago when he was alive. So when I moved to LA, the first three and a half, four years, I worked at a black and white lab here in LA. It was the best lab. It's still around. It's the best. It was the best number one black and white lab in LA. And I got to meet my a lot of my favorite photographers. And I processed film for Helmut Newton and Greg Gorman and Herb Ritz and Bruce Weber and Paul Jasmine. I can go down the list. Matthew Ralston, guys that are just, you know, at the time were the big shots, you know, the we call it the major league. So uh they were all the major league guys. And so I got to process, I would say Herb Ritz's first book, I processed all the film for that book and printed some of it. Uh, and you know, a lot of that stuff, Greg Gorman, who's one of my favorite photographers ever, uh, who, you know, who shot everybody Greg's, you know, that did the David Bowie let's dance album cover and shot Bowie a bunch of times and shot everybody who was anybody in Hollywood. Uh, you know, I did a lot of his stuff for years. So that's how I got to learn. I always say I never assisted any photographers. I just, you know, I was, I didn't think it would go that route. I was the lab route. And so I, but meeting those guys, you know, it helped me a lot. Paul Jasmine, who nobody really knows is one of my favorite photographers ever. He taught me how to be, uh, you can be, you need to be nice always. And I believe in that. And Greg was the same thing. You know, some photographers were assholes and you just didn't want to be around them and you want, and they're not around anymore because they were assholes, you know? So I, I've always been, you know, I always tell people I'm curious. I've always has been, you know, I always tell people I'm that little annoying kid in the backseat of the car going, why, why, why? Hey, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I mean, we always need those, you know, you know, curious folks and yeah, definitely, definitely big lesson folks. Don't be an asshole. Whatever you do, don't no. be an asshole. No one's going to like you. Well, I always tell people like, you know, rule number one, don't be an asshole. Do you want to work with an asshole? They don't want to work with an asshole. Nope. And, and, you know. You just don't. They don't last. They're not around. And so, and I'm not saying you have to be, you know, super, super nice, whatever. You have to have boundaries, but you just have to like, just be nice. Manners don't cost a dime. Now, this next question, I'm not going to ask who your favorite person to shoot was, but I will. No, actually, no, everybody asked me that question. I'm actually curious about location. Is there a spot that you shot that you thought, hey, this is my, this is like my spot? Well, in the early days, in the early nineties, there was a studio here in LA that I used to shoot at a lot and it was called studio 46. It was on uh, Pico Boulevard and by La Cienega and studio 46 uh, owner, Bill white, the 
the nicest guy on the planet used to really t- take good care of me and hook me up with things. And I, I did a lot, one of my famous picture, my iconic picture of Perry Farrell in bed, which is called Jesus Christ pose, which the song Jesus Christ pose is written about that photo. I always say Chris Cornell wrote a f- song about my photo. And I always tell not a lot of photographers can say that, but that studio, I shot a lot of shoots. There. I shot Nick cave there. I can go down the list of so many shoots at that studio I loved it because Bill was the best. Again, somebody who like I'd go to him going, I have $300 budget, Bill. You know, and his studio was like, you know, $800 a day plus, you know, extra equipment was extra. Could be like a $2,000 shoot. And he'd go, oh, just Chris, bring the $300. You can have whatever you want, you know. And I directed my first music video there with Pearl Jam, you know, things like that. That was a, a one of my favorite, just the energy, the the looking back on it, the photo shoots I had there. It was just something special. Then after that, years later, Smashbox started here in LA. My good friend Davis Factor started all that with his brother, and that became the place to shoot. And so I've always, you know, and location-wise, you know, I love LA, love New York. I've done shoots everywhere, studios in New York, things like that. My joke for years, honestly, has been, I don't give a fuck where I shoot. You can put me in a closet with a subject and a light. I'll come out with something. I know I will. And I've done it. I've literally shot in closets. (laughs) Really? So. Yeah. So I don't, again, it goes back to my childhood where I had great mentors and they would say to me things like, you know, you have to be ready always. You're not always going to have the perfect, perfect setup. And, you know, when I was 12 years old, my dream and goal was to shoot the cover of Vogue. Nothing smaller than that at 12. And so I was taught, well, then you better be ready because Vogue's going to call you someday and you best be ready. Mm-hmm. So that was, mm-hmm. that's why I've always believed. I still waiting for that phone call. <laughs> hey, someday, someday, you know, yeah, we got I some hope. time left. We got some yep. time. So Chris, what's, what's next? I mean, like you've got this app out, of course, tremendous response as it well deserves. What's next for you? Well, I want to keep building on it and then, um, uh, and figure out how to make money. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> um, uh, with, I, like I said, my goal in the next two years is to do more exhibitions. Next year, I want to focus on Europe. I don't know how many I can get done there. Right now, my, my dream list is about six, depending on where and when. been writing a TV series for the last seven years that I'm working on. So with Greatest Hits, this is a funny story. So up until Greatest Hits, I never got in front of a camera. Like, I never... My parents couldn't prove I existed because they had no pictures of me. I never, you, you point a camera at me and I'd usually throw a rock at you. And so when I started Greatest Hits, these videos, my best friend said, you need to you know, do a documentary on the making of Greatest Hits. So I said to him, that's a great idea, but I don't want to get in front of the camera. And he goes, well, you have to, it's a documentary. And I said, I said to him, I go, can I hire an actor to play me? Can I, can I ask Brad Pitt to play me in the documentary? And my friend's like, no. He goes, you don't look like Brad Pitt. He doesn't look like you. And you have to be in the documentary. And then, and then we were talking about the story videos. And I'm like, and he goes, I can get an actor to play me in those. You know, He's just like, shut up. Just shut up and get in front of the camera. So that started the journey of getting in front of the camera. And now I'm you know, comfortable with it and at ease with it and just kind of resign myself. I'm old and fat and ugly. That's just the way it's going to be. But that documentary was going along really, really well. And the, the arc of the documentary is, and it's the arc of the project. My dream and goal, not even say dream, the goal and will happen is the last exhibition I want to do in New York city. 
And that's the end of the whole project. And I wanted, I want that exhibition at Madison Square Garden, which has never been done. And so that's the dream. So the the documentary is the making of the project. Follow me as this. I always tell, follow me, go from an idea to crazy. So it's like this journey of me going crazy. So we've decided to turn it into a TV series instead. So we've been working, pitching that around and trying to get it on Netflix or something. Uh, it's like a more of like a docu series that each episode is about each exhibition and you get to follow me and do, there's all these interviews. All, we've been, we've been shooting everything now for over, I think it's over 10 years, about 11 years. So that I'm working on that. Um, I'm a workaholic. I always tell people, if you ever wonder what Chris is doing, I'm working. Yeah. I've always have been. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. I'm, I'm I always tell, yeah, it's like I always tell people, it's my blessing and my curse is I've Mm -hmm. done what I love. And I, you know, I don't think of it as work. I've never had a job. It's never, it's not a job. It's not even a career. It's a life. I used to meet some amazing artists, famous artists back in the day, and I have the conversations with them asking, you know, thinking, I'm crazy. Is is it, is it me? Am I crazy? And then they'd look at me going, no, Chris, you're an artist. And I'd be like, oh, I thought I was crazy. No. That's encouraging. That's okay. good to know. It's like I'm not I insane. I was special. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So 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 I'm not a psychopath. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Nice. It's good to know these things. That is the truth though. I like that. Well, Chris, man, we're coming down to the end of the journey. It's been fantastic talking okay. to you. For the folks at home, if you haven't gotten the app, get it. Greatest hits, easy to find. Please. You're you're gonna love it. There's there's so many cool stories and pictures. And of course, check out uh kafarohits.com, C-U-F-F-A-R-O hits.com. It's everything there. So I got to tell you one quick thing. I want to give myself a plug here. Yep. Go for it. So Kafaro hits is my project, my present yep. Kafarophoto.com, I call my past and my blog Kafaro plus is my new work. And then my, my favorite website I have, I have a lot of websites, but my favorite website is heapskeen.com. It's H E A P S dot um, keen K E E. And it's my, it's my vacation pictures. <laughs> So, so when I go to Australia, I had to make a website for my Australian fun. I love Australia. I've been going there for a long time. And, and so I created this whole website about Australia. My friends are like, they're like, nobody looks at this shit. And I'm like, I know it's for me. It's, you know, exactly. and during COVID, during COVID, when I couldn't go to Australia, yeah. I'd look at that website like every day going, oh, I miss you. <laughs> someday, you know I mean? someday like, the world will yeah, stop I'll being be on back, fire. I promise. I, t- I said this for a year when I knew I was going, but I went back last, uh, I was there November 1st uh, of 2022. I told everybody this. I get to Australia, I land the plane, I get to, the, I always stay at the same place in Bondi Beach, drop my bags off, put my shorts on. I walk across the street. There's a bench that I sit on like every day when I'm there to, you know, to relax, to be grateful. I go sit on that bench and I sit there and I start crying and I start thinking to myself, where the fuck did three years go? It felt like yesterday that I was at the, I was sitting there like three years went by. And I just remember just sitting there kind of going, where did three years go? Cause I, you know, I left Australia and then COVID started and then like, there I am back and three years had gone by and it didn't feel like it. It was like, nothing's changed. I'm still here. You know, I'm alive. Thank you. You know, but it was just crazy. It was mine. A little bit of a mind fuck thinking that three years, just three years, not one year, not two, but three years had gone by, and here I am back on the same spot, in the same bench, in the same seat, drinking my coffee. It was crazy. Life is weird that way. It is, isn't Life it? It is weird that way. I'm not way. the only one that thinks that, right? <laughs> no, 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 not at all, sir. You're, you're, you're... Life is weird that way. That's, yeah. that's all I'm going to say about that one. 
Yeah, like I always say to people too, like I look at my photo, I'm, you know, scanning, doing all this. I'll look at a photo going, oh my God, I shot that in 1985. And then I look at it and I go, well, 85 is how long ago was that? Like it's 10 years now. I start doing the math. And you're like, oh my God, 30 years. You're like, where did this go? <laughs> oh dear God. I was like, I feel like it was yesterday that I was in the studio, you know, sure. and just like time goes by fast when you're getting old. Yeah, but at least you get to, at least you get to enjoy it. There is that. Yep. All right. Yep. Chris, I, man. Great talking to you, of course. Thank you. And uh, loving the app. And folks, get the app. Check out the site. Thank you. Check his vacation pictures. See his vacation pictures. <laughs> exactly. And then, and then travel. Go somewhere. Yeah. Doesn't matter where. Yeah, go to Australia. Go. All right, Chris. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. All right. And until next time, sir. Thank you. Hi, this is singer Kate Eppers, and you're listening to Citywide Blackout. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to follow the show on Facebook under Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram under Citywide Max. You can find this show on your favorite podcast platforms and new episodes are added every week, as well as every Saturday at 10 p.m. on Boston Free Radio. You can get at me at citywidemax at yahoo.com. Whether you want to suggest a guest, submit music for the bi-weekly Blackout Collection playlist, or just say hello. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time.